his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. So I ain't even stressing about it. Is there a more fitting song for the moment that we're in right now? It's crazy, man. I mean, the idea he's got the whole world in his hands. Who would have thought that that simple song would provide so much comfort worldwide? You know, shout out to Tyler Perry for starting that challenge and getting the whole world involved in doing it. I did my part and uh, many others did, too. And it was amazing to see. Welcome to another episode of the Kofi B Podcast, man. I'm so excited for this episode because this episode, we have a very, very, very special guest, man. And I think in times like this, when we're all quarantined and inside the house and everything like that, we're looking for content and information and just stuff to make us laugh and be entertained for a couple minutes of our day. And that's what I aim to provide on this podcast, man. And that's exactly what we're doing today, man, because I got my guy, Brian Culberson, in the room for this podcast. We're not in this room. We're social distancing, but he's joining the podcast with me today. And, you know, the thing that's so great about this is that I look up to Brian Culberson in my whole music career. Like he is the reason why I feel so inspired to do piano at the level and the way that I do it. Like this is like Kobe getting a chance to interview Jordan. You know, I emulate Brian Culberson in so much of my musicality. Um, it just oozes out. You know, people call me Brian Culberson Jr. They're like, oh, you should share a stage with them one day and everything like that. Uh, but I get a chance to sit down and talk to him and learn about his album that he just released last week. And most importantly, just talked about his journey through music, take some notes on my own. I'd be stupid if I didn't, man. Um, and, and most importantly, allowing great people to just share great stories and that's what this whole podcast is about that's what this episode is going to be about so without further ado thank you for listening uh whether this is your first time or you've been here before rest assured we got a lot in store man so thank you for listening and let's get straight to it and welcome everybody to the kofi b podcast to those tuning in on facebook youtube kofibmusic.com or even listening in on apple podcast uh, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy quarantine day uh, to watch us i'm your host with the most kofi b kofi Boache. be sure to add me on all social media platforms at kofi b music and www.kofibmusic.com is where you can get all the updates and information of everything going on on my end However, this is not about me right now, man, because I got a very special guest joining me on the show today. I mean, when you think of people um, in the music industry and artists that have been just killing it for a long time, right? I mean, year after year, 
great album after great album, right? New idea after new idea, amazing tour after amazing tour. Uh, if the name Brian Coberson isn't one that you think of, then I, I don't even know what's wrong with you, to be honest with you. Um, joining me live on the Kofi B Podcast is the man himself, Mr. Brian Coberson. What's up, man? How are you? Yo, I'm good, Kofi. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm so glad nice. that you were you were able to be on here with me remotely and everything, man. Um, I just got to say, man, you are honestly uh, the reason I do what I do, man. I'm such a, um, wow. I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even call myself a big fan. I'm, I, I studied what you have done for such a long time. Uh, when I was first starting off and I realized there's so many similarities in our stories. Uh, you started classically trained at the age of eight. I started right. classically trained at the age of eight. There and, you go. Um, and, you know, on top of that, I mean, uh, I just have a chance to just to I was watching a lot of stuff of yours when I was younger. Um, my mom will tell you, man, when I was a senior in high school, which wasn't too long ago for me. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was I was literally up to like 3 a.m. watching film of your shows and, and literally wow. critiquing and like looking at the details of performances. My mom wake Uh-oh. up, you know, she'd be like, what? <laughs> what? She'd be like, what are you listening to? What is like, going on in there? <laughs> I was like, you know, no, this is this is the Brian Coberson show. I was, I was like, I'd bring her in and I'd show her the wow. details of like, when your percussive playing and you know, playing with you know, double octaves and all this stuff, just all yeah, the different yeah. stuff that you were doing. And I was like sure. taking that stuff and applying it into to what I do. And, nice. Um, and dude, I don't even know if you remember this, man, but um, it was about you were on the colors of love tour and we were Uh at you were at the akron civic theater and and so at this time uh you were just finished the show it was sold out show and everything and this 17 year old kid is just chilling outside next to where like the the tour buses and everything yeah like yo brian can i get a picture and and talk to you and and just wonder who that was right right (laughs) lo and behold that kid was me man and we ended up chopping it up for about about 20 minutes you and chris mescal uh your drummer was there man yeah and that conversation, um, you know, you gave so much insight because I just had to ask a ton of questions about mm-hmm. about your journey, about your music. I mean, I had it ready. I was I was there and I was because uh, I know, man, this is this is like the moment I was. like, I'm never going to be a musician interviewer. Yeah, <laughs> there I am. That's what I do. Nice. And, um, you know, and Christmas, you gave me some great advice and says yeah. stuff that I, I, I probably shouldn't repeat on the podcast. But uh, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great stuff, though. And great insight for me. And um I mean, it, it's so great. I don't even know if you know, like, how much you inspire the younger generation. Um, I was talking to mm-hmm. one of my colleagues at Berkeley while we were in mm-hmm. school, uh, Jesus Molina. And he was like, man, I saw one of your videos. And he was like, man, you play like, you remind me of Brian Culberson. He's like, that's the reason I play. And I was like, wow. You're like, what? Yeah. Jesus wow. Molina, young, young guy who's doing I mean, that's great. the thing. You, you know, when, once you start putting out records, you really don't know who's listening to it. Uh, because it's just out there in the world and you can only hope everybody's listening to it, but you just don't know. Right. Um, so you'll get fans from all over the place, all walks of life uh, around the world. And uh, you know, now and then I'll get to meet these people uh, like yourself and whomever it may be. Right. Uh, and that's just, that's a cool thing. And when I, especially uh, after a concert, like you mentioned, uh, if a kid comes up to me and, and, and is genuinely interested about learning uh, the music business, I will take all the time in the world. Um, because I remember when I was young, I had that opportunity now and then to talk to musicians that had been doing it. And it, it just meant the world to me. So yeah. I will always take that time. So. Thank you so much, man. I mean, that, that means a lot. And honestly, right now, you don't you don't get to see much of that from a lot of people that are in your position to to reach mm. back and, and give that helping hand. So 
for somebody like yourself to be at the at the top of your game still doing this thing at the highest level um and and it's like you you're still willing to help guys like myself and and people that are up and coming out um man words aren't enough for that so thank you man well hey uh you know i love doing it i don't see uh, a reason not to absolutely. you know what i'm saying absolutely gotta do it gotta, gotta share the knowledge mm-hmm Exactly. Man, I'm gonna get straight into it, man. I'm yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to to ask these questions, man. You just Come released on. this album called Twenty, and um, right. I want to get to that shortly. But I also want to kind of know and talk about the journey and your upbringing to this point. You know, okay. It's funny because I think about it, and you gotta indulge with me in this one, man. Yeah. So you started uh, like your first label at or got your first deal at twenty, right? Yeah. I'm twenty. <laughs> yeah. This is the year 2020. I know, right? And you just released an album called 20. It's a good number right now. Man, it's a really nice number. Uh, a, good, a good choice. Um, so talk to me, man, about that first deal, though, because from the outside perspective and even from a, a, a music perspective for a lot yeah. of these young guys, even now in our generation, they think, oh, if I get the record deal, man, I'm a millionaire. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm good. So tell me about this, this journey. Yeah. And, and were you an instant Total millionaire? <laughs> what happened for you? Oh my God. I think I actually, uh, was more broke after I started making records, uh, than before. What? Yeah. The th here's the deal. You know, when you first get a record deal, especially in the jazz world, you know how much they gave me? No. What? I'm just going to say it. I got $7,500, right? Which sounds like a decent amount of money. However, in the mid nineties, we're talking $7,500 is like, absolutely nothing to make a record mm -hmm. uh, it used to be fairly expensive because you had to go into a studio and do all this kind of stuff uh, it was really right before the home studio really took off mm -hmm. right uh, however I did have a digital eight track you know, like a tape eight track and that's, a, that's yeah, even yeah, a little yeah, before my time like <laughs> yeah you don't know anything about <laughs> uh, and I synced it up via MIDI timecode to all my keyboards that were running live. And so I'd have to program everything and then record a handful. I get only like seven tracks so I could record because track eight, I had to put the timecode on it, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, anyway, this is tech stuff, but you know. Uh, <laughs> so uh, when I uh, was able to, or when I was ready to lay it off, I had to lay it off on the DAT tape. Okay. Digital audio tape. Yeah. There was no MP3s yet. Didn't exist. Uh, isn't that crazy? It wasn't that's, even that long ago. That's weird. I mean, because we're talking more like 20, 25, a little plus years ago. 93 when I made the record. That's 27. Wow. That's not that far away, really. That's what I'm saying. No Pro Tools didn't exist yet. Wow. Wasn't even, no one knew about it. It wasn't mm -hmm. happening. Uh, so I was running Studio Vision, which was this old software is no longer Logic bought them. Uh, and then, uh, anyway, yeah. long story short, uh, that's how I was making my first record. So how, you know, how did you just, land that first deal, though? What was, the, what was that process like for you at that age? Yeah, I uh, was living in Chicago, and I, I always knew I wanted to be some sort of songwriter, producer. I didn't necessarily know or set out to become an artist, per se. Right. Um, so, however, when I was in college, I went to DePaul University in Chicago. My second year there, I was really listening to the jazz radio station here in town. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty big at the time. Uh, jazz radio was big in the 90s, man. Uh, it was all over the place. Um, FM radio, you know, traditional yeah. radio. So I was listening all the time, thinking to myself, man, I could do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? All right. 
so I decided to put three songs together, um, you know, a demo per se. And I had only knew, known one person really that was in the uh, record business. One person, it was a family friend that I had known since I was a kid. Uh, at that point, he was working at a small little indie label in LA called Mesa Blue Moon Records. And uh, on and off throughout high school, I would send him, you know, little cassette tapes of stuff I was working on. And he was always supportive. Hey, you know, good job, Brian. Keep working at it. <laughs> Uh, but this particular uh, three song demo, I sent it to him and he immediately called me after listening to it. I was like, um, hey, I think we got something here. I'm like, what? Wow. He's like, yeah, you got these you, three great songs. I'm going to play it for everybody at the label that I'm work, uh, working with now. I'm like, okay. Two weeks later, I get a, 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 a like a letter, old school letter in the mail, right? Mm-hmm from the president of the label, Mesa Blue Moon. This guy's name is Jim Snowden. He sends me, you know, writes me this letter on this letterhead, official letterhead. I still have this letter, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, he writes, Dear Brian, you know, I got the demo from Bud. You know, he gave it to me. Upon my return from Europe, I thought this was so fancy. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I, I would love to sit down with you and uh, discuss a, um, uh, a record deal. Uh, we're prepared to offer you six albums. I'm like, what? Wow. Freaking out as a kid, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I was your age right then. Right. Uh, sure. So, you know, he gets back a couple weeks later, calls me up, uh, sends me this whole deal memo of all this stuff. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about the industry. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a lawyer. I didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. I was just like, yeah, sure. Sign <laughs> I me just up. signed. <laughs> how I many, but how many songs like and before that point, like were you sending to this, this, this guy? three songs i mean no i'm saying but like you you said you kept showing him stuff oh or? yeah 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 uh about every year i would send him uh two or three songs that's it okay and then yeah. like you so once a year you see so get this deal it's it's not you're paying yeah. out of pocket <laughs> um you're, you're you're but i mean you're yeah i basically had enough money to buy a couple reverb units and pay a couple musicians wow and and you made a project with it yeah yeah so fast track, let's go up, uh, you know, now you're getting a lot of notoriety, um, you know, say 10, 12 years later. Um, mm -hmm. And you're making a decision, though, about what, about six and a half years ago at this point now yeah. to switch from being with a major label to now being independent. Right. And so when you make a decision like that, I mean, I, of course, I guess you think about the freedom and that type of decision where I can do what I want, you know, to a certain yeah. extent. But there's also kind of like a risk in my eyes, like, man, you're leaving that major factory, you know, that major right. company uh, that, that's producing right. all these artists. I mean, what, what was that thought process for you? And what gave you that inclination? Like, hey, it's time for me to do this. Because at this point, like you're at the, I mean, even now you're killing it now, but you're, I feel like you're at the top of the game at this point, right? I mean, you're, you're all over wow. the world. You're doing a lot of great stuff. This is a risk. Yeah, to me, however, it came down to the right stars kind of aligned all at the same time, meaning the internet really, really took off with social media. Think about when it all really, really hit. Right. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, so before YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all this stuff, we didn't really, as artists, have a direct way to reach our fan base. Mm -hmm. So we had to have, you had to have a label. Uh, with their huge marketing machine to be able to put CDs into record stores and product placement 
meaning your poster in the windows and all this old school record company stuff. Well, now, fast forward past all those years, uh, there's now no more traditional radio for us, really. Right. Um, uh, there is all this online content that we can do ourselves for free, right? True. We can go on YouTube, we can go Facebook Live, do all, whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we're connecting directly to the fans. Um, and at that point, I had also built up a really good, strong fan base in terms of um, concert goers. Uh, and, and really that's kind of the, the main reason I decided to finally go indie, uh, is because I knew I had that loyal fan base there that was willing to kind of come with me on that journey, wherever I was going to go. Um, and then lastly, you got to look at the finances. You got to start doing the math. So I would start writing down all these numbers like, wait a minute, we spent this and this, this doesn't really add up. I've never made any money on labels. Wow. No matter how many you sell, I mean, yeah, you make some money, but not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're taking the lion's share for sure. Um, so, it, I mean, a lot of guys will talk about now about how they're, oh, they're getting these million dollar record deals, but they don't know, like that's spanned throughout, a, you know, X amount of years. And then they yeah, have typically to find- it's over six albums oh, so over, divided okay. by six. Yeah, the typical album deals or record deals are six six records long. Really? Yeah. And, and so, oh, and, yeah. and you're, but you're funding everything from that budget, right? Correct. That's yeah, crazy. You say, oh, you got a million dollar deal. Well, divided by six, and, and you know, then you're you, never <laughs> going to make that money back. Right, right, right. That's crazy. But yeah. from even doing the music thing, um, now you put yourself in this position where you're doing things kind of outside of music in my eyes. I mean, you got this, yeah. this whole, you're interested in like the wine business now. You're doing like a lot of stuff with yeah. Napa, the Napa Valley things. And um, like exactly. just recently um, you made the announcement that you're going to postpone it for uh, later on in the year. You yeah, know, do, I mean, do everything that's going on right now. Everything's postponing. So what are you going to do? Right, right. But I mean, this this festival, I mean, this getaway um, yeah. is so, it's like, it's crazy because it seems like it's kind of just grown and, and developed its own culture outside of your brand. Um, Absolutely. And it's yeah. cool to see that. I saw in an interview that you did a while back, it said that you started this thing off with just about four people. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, initially it was me. Uh, with the idea and I called a friend of mine who worked at a winery in Napa and and just kind of brainstormed for like three hours one night Uh, and after we talked I was like okay I think this is going to be interesting and then I called my manager and my manager you know manager's job is to to tell you all the risk factors and to tell you why not to do it right (laughs) right (laughs) so you know after that phone call I was still like sure that this we we had something here and i said man i really really want to do this will you help me make it and he's like absolutely so year one happened we went on sale and sold out the first year festival in one week uh granted it was a 500 seat venue small but still it told me that really uh we were onto something here there was an opportunity for growth in that situation yeah you know people that like this kind of music they like wine they like nice things and like hanging out so let's put it all together um so you know i had done a lot of cruise ships and various other festivals um and so i wanted to take kind of all that knowledge that i had and put it into my own event so yeah what type uh, of like what years ago 
I mean, what type of um like mindset does that have to take place when you're when you're doing event planning? Um, how yeah. does that work for you? Is that a whole different? I mean, I feel like that's left field from music creation to a certain extent. Oh well, yeah. I mean, number one, you got to have a great team around you that understands live events as well. Uh, so you're always kind of batting ideas back and forth between everyone. So uh, for that first whole year, I was literally in Napa every month myself going around knocking on doors, so to speak, really? talking to different wineries. Uh, hey, uh, you know, you don't know me, but uh, <laughs> I'm a jazz musician. I'm putting together a jazz festival here in Napa. Do you want to be involved? Lots of doors slammed, you know, mm -hmm. typical. Yeah. Uh, but now and then, you know, you get somebody to say, hey, you know, we know who you are. Yeah, come on in. Try our wine. Can we be a part of it? So it just started like that. And um, and every other week we would have a, a conference call with me and, uh, you know, my core team uh, of people that helped put it together. And slowly but surely it came together. Uh, year one was a success and we just kind of built upon that. Wow. And it seems like yeah. the production of, of just about anything that you've done has, has gotten better over the years, as it should for, for most people. Um, but sure. I, mean, I mean, the thing that's cool, though, I think about your tours, I think um, yeah. you bring everything, man. You bring the lights, you bring the band. Yeah. Um, yeah. Prepping for something like that in tour life, yeah. what's that been like? Because you go on a bus. I mean, you're going all across the nation on a bus. Yeah. What was that like for you, man? Yeah, nowadays when we go on a tour like that, um, it's it's really you got to start planning at about eighteen months in advance. Jeez, wow! Oh, it's a long way in advance. Number one, a lot of the venues that we book um, are like performing arts centers, which book very far in advance. Uh, so, in order to get the right night of the week that you want to play this particular city in that venue, you got to book so far in advance so you can get on their schedules, right? Um, so that's number one. So you have to sort of understand what kind of show am I going to do that far in advance? What album am I making? So it's a lot, a lot of prep in your mind, um, that you have to figure out before you actually even do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it slowly <laughs> comes to <laughs> fruition, uh, throughout that 18 months. Um, even two weeks before this tour was supposed to start, uh, was supposed to start April 1st. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was still working on musical arrangements uh, before getting together with the band to start rehearsals. So, um, uh, yeah, a lot of planning. How, I mean, how does the, the whole like arrangement process work? Are you in studio like right now, like like you are now, yeah. and just tracking everything out and sending it to the guys? Uh, sometimes. Uh, other times, I will simply send them uh, the the album recording and say, "Hey, let's learn the album version." And then once we get into rehearsals, let's flip it up a little bit and see how it goes. And I, I want to keep some of that spontaneity uh, and not just say, here's the arrangement. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I want the, the guys to really have their input as well. Um, you know, once we start playing it. Yeah, let's learn the album version first, but realize that in a live setting, we want to heighten it. We want to hype it up. We want to add some stops, some hits, some excitement to that um, because I, I was never really a fan of, of bands that go out there and sound exactly like the record. Right. That was boring to me at least. Um, I mean, yeah, there's something to that, but to me, if I'm going to go see an artist live, I want to be like, wow. Right. Like, wow. What? Not, well, I could have stayed home and watched <laughs> 
right. you know, uh, listen to the record at home. I, I think about, I think about like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Their shows, like Bingo. they never, they never were the same. Um, yeah. I mean, every yeah. time it seemed like they were different. Stevie, Wonder. obviously, he was huge inspiration to me. Yeah, man. Those guys. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I yeah. Mean, um. So then this whole epidemic or this whole you know pandemic happens. Um, yeah. Now the band is is in a situation where when they're not going on tour. So right. you, you create this idea of a band relief fund. Talk to me about how that kind of came to play and, and what made you want to do that. Yeah. Um, like what happened? Like how, what was that process to, to, um, well, to do that? I mean, when I first realized that the tour wasn't happening, um, of course, you know, your mind is racing. You're like, wow. Okay. I just spent 18 months preparing for this and now the rugs pulled out from under you. Um, so it, it was a little surreal in the beginning. Then, uh, you know, after I kind of, it's like, okay, what do we do now? Uh, the realization hits you, uh, that, wow, all of a sudden no one's getting paid. Uh, everyone was, you know, expecting, you know, the weekly salary from this tour and, you know, without any of those show guarantees, you know, I can't personally cover all that it's impossible right. i mean it's it's a lot of money going on mm-hmm. in and out uh when you're talking a tour of that size uh so that's when i i said well i i gotta do i gotta start figuring out ways to to help the guys out um you know at least covering rents and you know basic needs right, right. um so i i started a fund on on paypal and just put it out there to my fan base hey you know to get these guys that you know and love that you've seen for years on tour obviously we're not working right now and cannot work i mean we're just not able to do anything everything shut down so um you know if you got five dollars think about you know donating to my band and uh you know my fans really came came with a lot of money and i'm i'm everyone's very thankful to that so is is the donation process still going on it is yeah okay So those that yep. are tuning in, man, uh, if you, just like he said, man, that the whole idea of, of giving right now in this situation that we're in is so imperative, man, especially to musicians in this industry, right. Um, right. You know, especially touring musicians and, oh. um, and everything. Yeah. We're, we're taking a big hit right now. So donate if you can. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the links are provided, um, especially I'm sure it's on your, on your Facebook page and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Talk to me though. I want to go into this album, man. I want to go. Straight in. I want to go into twenty, man. I I'm yeah. a big fan of this album. I've already listened to it uh, oh, a couple thanks, times, man. Oh yeah, it's a Brian Culberson album. I had to tune into it, man. <laughs> uh, so I mean, my favorite one uh, is more than thankful. Avery Sunshine. Ah, yeah. 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 Uh, me and me and her son actually go to Berkeley together. Me and Evan. Oh, get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> He's a drummer, right? Yeah, Evan. Yeah, great drummer too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played yeah. a couple of times. Um, Sweet. So this this whole this whole project, man. What what was the thought process behind it? Uh, initially, I decided, uh, being a twentieth album, I needed to do something special, right? Um, as soon as I realized it was number twenty, I was like, oh, uh, okay, I can't just make it a regular album. Um, so that was actually my wife's idea to name it twenty. She's like, well, why don't you just name it twenty? I was like, oh, good idea. <laughs> so then once I had that idea, I re- remember that on my 12 album, I don't know if you remember that, also Roman numerals, X-I-I. I do remember right? that one, yeah. That particular project was my 12th record. And for that one, it was kind of a mixture of different styles all kind of thrown together. 
So therefore, I, I decided to do something similar for this twenty album. Yeah, also I mean, using Roman numerals, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, you, uh, so I just thought it looked cooler. <laughs> the twelve one is that the one? I don't know if you remember this. It has um, oh my gosh, dun, 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 dun. get up on it, right? Um, with Chuck Brown. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay, that's the one I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite projects. Me and my uh, crew, we played. That's we, called we, feeling we, it. Feeling it. I'm sorry. I'm thinking that's about all, yeah. get it on. That's well. That's on the all other right. album though. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um. So this album though, it spans. I mean, it's genre under jazz. But like, dude, it's it's like it's fun. It's, it's, it's all. I mean, it's it's like I wish I wish we could. If if it was a food, it's definitely gumbo. I'll tell you that. Like, it's, oh, yeah. it's a mixture of everything, man. Because there's you get, gospel, funk, jazz, yeah. pop. Uh, what else is there on there? There's a little bit of rock. I mean, the, I just threw it all in there. What yeah, you, I mean, just you, you just you basically um, you gave us everything in a time when we need it. Um, um, so like the the process of getting these musicians together in the studio. Um, yeah. Is this an album that you cut live? No, this was definitely a layered project. Okay, um, it had to be uh, because there was so much uh, production involved. Um, to, to cut an album live, it's, it's just a different type of record. Um, th this one was very heavily produced. Uh, so I started out every song demoing it out fully, uh, and then one by one kind of replacing each part, uh, starting with the drums. So I had Kahari come in first, um, and he tracked drums on the whole album mm -hmm. before anybody else was on it live. Uh, but I had, you know, um, had all the other parts kind of in mind. But then, uh, you know, you, you, you keep going, then you add guitar players and bass players and percussion and all this other stuff. Uh, horns and vocals kind of came later because um, I like to put the, the lead type stuff later on once right. all the foundation is there. And it seems like, uh, you, it seems like you just, well, year after year, you're, you're making like, ever, like a project every year. I mean, you just had two yeah. within, within less than a year. I know. Like yeah. what's what's the process in creating these albums, man? Like I mean, what how are you able to produce this much music so fast? What's your secret? That is a good question. Um, well, the only reason I did two records this past year in a row was um, I had an album that I did. It was a trio record called Winter Stories. I didn't even mean to make that one. Um, I sort of I was walking around Chicago and was seriously inspired by this the cold weather in winter. Really, this had never happened to me before. Yeah. So I was like, you, "You must have not been in Chicago that long for, exactly. for a minute." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was walking around. I was like, "Man, I feel like I feel like writing these cozy songs, right? Sitting mm -hmm. by the fire and all this kind of music." So every day for ten days straight, I wrote a song and demoed it out. Uh, so mm -hmm. within ten days, I had this whole album done. So it was very, very quick. Uh, so I decided to to make that record, uh, but it turned out to be a, a more difficult album than I thought. So it took a little longer to finish it. Um, so it kind of pushed this 20 album a little bit later and uh, believe it or not, it made 2020. Wow. Oh yeah, of course. I, yeah. Ah, I see otherwise it would have been 19. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I, to me, I really just go with inspiration. Uh, if I'm feeling something, I'm going to make it happen. Uh, if I'm not feeling like writing music, I'm not going to do it because I, I really have to be yearning to be in the studio and to write and to create. I have to be in that mental state. Um, I'm not going to force it upon myself. But thankfully, I, I get inspired a lot. So yeah. 
it just depends on you know what it is you know right in the beginning about two weeks ago when this all started going down i was not in a writing mood at all uh i was more in a in a cleaning mood so i started cleaning the studio <laughs> <laughs> i got the q-tips out and got everything sparkling clean because i hadn't done a deep clean uh, right right no no yeah i've been so busy you know i was like damn it i gotta make this record i can't be like you know yeah dust right now <laughs> <laughs> So aside from your, your cleaning uh, yeah. habits, what, what's next for you, man? What's coming up for you? Uh, wow. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, now that we're, we're here, we got a lot of time on our hands. Yeah. New music? Definitely. I, I started a couple new tracks. Um, uh, interestingly enough, I, I started messing around with singing over the top. Oh, Brian. Oh, man. And, and you know... I was like, you know what? Let me, it's, it's, it's a total vibe record. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I actually like the weekend a lot. Right. Yep. So I was okay. listening to the, the artist. Right? Okay. Yeah. The artist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, and, and the, the, I mean, days the, week. the weekend's yeah. cool too, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> so I was like, man, what if I started making a, an actual contemporary pop record? Uh, so I got a few tracks in the works right now and started messing around with, singing on the top and like cranking the audio auto tune and all the effects on the vocals. And I, I started listening to that. I was like, Oh man, kind of sound like Drake. <laughs> 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 it's hilarious, but I don't know if, in, I don't know if it's going to come out or I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just messing around right now. Yeah. You know, man. Why not? You got time. You got time. Why not? Yeah, man. You got to um, do it. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. Uh, oh, man, my pleasure. Yeah, man. The new album, for those that are watching, 20, available now on all what streaming platforms, right? Streaming uh, and, you know, if anybody still downloads, you know, you can do it there, too. Sure. What, what is a download at this point, right? <laughs> I don't know. You know, the only reason I can think about actually having that is if you want to take it and actually use the audio somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? Because you yeah. can't, you can't take a stream and put it behind your own video. Do you know right. what I'm saying? Right, right. So you right. got to sort of get a, a a version of it digitally. Yeah, I don't know. Either Maybe way. that's a reason. <laughs> thank you, man, so sure. much. For, for, <laughs> thank you for being on, man. Man, hopefully Where, one day yeah. um, I get to see you in person again, man. When this is all yeah. over and everything. Well, yeah. I was supposed to be in Boston, you know, doing this show, this new tour, but we're gonna be back next year. The tour's still gonna happen. So just a, a year delayed. For sure. Yeah, so we're Lynn Auditorium, by the way. I have no idea. I just moved here, but I'll figure it out. Lynn is a suburb of Boston. Okay. All right. I don't even know now where I'm. Know. I, I don't even know where I'm at right now in Boston. I just got here like oh. two weeks ago. I got oh, time though. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. Crazy times. Well, hey. Best of luck to you. Uh, enjoy. Hopefully, you'll get to go to class at some point. Yeah, man. It's 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 uh -huh. probably right. I'm. I think I skipped a class for this, but it was worth it. It was. <laughs> oh my bad. <laughs> oh, you're good, bro. Thank you so much, man, for being right on. on. Thanks, Kobe. Thank you again for tuning into the Kofi B podcast, but I do need your help real quick right here. Listen, if you like what you heard and you want other people to hear it, I need you to share this podcast, okay, on every social media site that you can think of, every page that you have, every post that you make, just make your next one about the Kofi B podcast. We're doing a lot of great things here, as you can see, and I want to continue this trend going forward. And also, side note, college ain't cheap. <laughs>
So if you like what I'm doing here in these interviews and talking to these amazing people here at Berklee College of Music and abroad, donate. Go to my website, kofibmusic.com slash donate. And at a click of the button, you can be the savior to keep me here for the next three years. Be that person. I love you forever. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to the Kofi B podcast. And I hope that the rest of your day is just as great as you are. <laughs> Peace, guys.